When you think about it, when you're locked in the jungle with no one else around you but your unit of fellow gorillas, you have to work out why you're there, what you're there to do, and how to get everyone else out safely. It's an extreme form of leadership without all the fluff and nonsense that a lot of us 21st century workers get caught up in. So we thought we'd have a chat with someone who knows firsthand what it's like to be in that jungle and some of the lessons from leadership that she got. Let's have a listen. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Merry. Now, this week, we have someone who is not just fearless when it comes to leadership. She has a gorilla approach. Now, I'm not sure if it's a big, hairy, black gorilla or whether it's a sneaky gorilla. We're going to find that out. Uh, she's lived in the jungle and done a whole lot of work in refugee camps on the edge of war zones and from there has learned a whole lot of stuff around leadership. Will you please welcome to the show, Corinne Armour. Welcome. Thank you, Warwick. It's fabulous to be with you and <laughs> to have that introduction. Well, you know, why not throw some gorillas into the mist? Hey, so I have a question for you, and that is, how do you define success? Someone who has done a whole lot of work around leadership, has lived in the jungle, has worked in refugee camps, has done a whole lot of different study with, you know, company directors programs and neurolinguistic programming and all this other stuff. How do you define success? I think success is so individual and what concerns me when I work with work within organizations is people taking success definitions that don't belong to them and 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 therefore even if they achieve it they can never really be happy so I think it's so individual and for me it's really on a personal level it's about living in accordance with my values it's about um, living in harmony and, and I think harmony is probably in inverted commas with my family. Um, I have a 13-year-old daughter. And so sometimes success is just surviving to the end of the day without strangling her. Um, and the third thing for me about success personally is about learning and growing. So if I'm, if I'm living with, in harmony with my family, if I'm living according to my values and I'm learning and growing, then that's success on a personal level. And then on a professional level, I think about and are my clients growing? So are the teams, the leadership teams that I'm working with uh, becoming more fearless? Are they better able to do what they need to do? And are they feeling more happy and confident and confident? And is the work that I'm doing making a positive impact on the planet? Cool. That's an excellent definition. But I'm very interested in what you were saying about people taking on definitions of success that aren't theirs. Can you give me an example of some of the ladies you've worked with who have done that and what the outcomes have been for them? Mm. So, so a, a woman who um, is working really hard to work her way up the ladder and gets into a position, you know, a very senior leadership position, but is in feeling in constant conflict because what she really wants to do for a while is hang out more with her young family. And so that, that success definition of, um, you know, the corporate success of the, the, the senior roles of all of the, 
you know, the responsibility and the kudos that comes with that. And yet the thing that she wants most to do in that moment is perhaps not forever, but for that time, be with her family. Um, so that's, that's one example. When I think of people who take on characteristics of leadership that they think are required by the culture to be successful, and yet that's not true to them. I think that's another example. Yeah. So do you think, uh, when I look at social media like LinkedIn and Facebook and whatever, we've got all these people who are, you know, sprouting inspirational quotes and you can do anything and here we go and, you know, you can have loads of uh, business deals, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think people buy into that as like the, the outside look of success without considering what's inside in terms of the in, internal perspective on success? Yeah, I think, I think sometimes they do. I think smarter people realize that everyone's life looks good on Facebook. And, you know, so, so what I, the version of you that I see on Facebook or on LinkedIn, I'm not actually on Facebook, but on, on LinkedIn, if you take the professional version, uh, is not necessarily you all the time. I think most people get that. But there is a constant, um, and a constant imagery of what success might be, whether it's your body image, whether it's how you parent and the, and the gorgeousness of your family, whether it's your career success, you know, whether it's your, it's your artistic success. I think there are, um, because of the access we have to social media and to other glimpses into people's lives, it's easy to think that other people have got it all aligned and, and, and we might not. So when you're talking with your, uh, your clients about fearless leadership, do you, do you talk about defining what success is for themselves? We do. Um, and so when I, work with, when I work with leadership teams, one of the first things we need to do is understand what's the purpose of the team. And, and funnily enough, um, it's often very unclear. So people generally have a sense of what their individual purpose is. Uh, and they're usually quite clear on what's the purpose of the organisation. But what's the purpose of the leadership team is often really unclear. So how can we be successful if we're not sure what our purpose is? So the first step for me in working with a leadership team is helping them understand themselves and each other, which is understanding our motivation, and then understanding the purpose. You know, why are we as a team here? Not not why does this, you know, this, does this executive lead this operational team? Because that's usually got a level of understanding. But why as a leadership team do we exist? Because until we know that, we can never know if we're successful or not. And, and many companies will have their vision statement, which is, uh, let's, uh, to me, it always seems a bit, a bit like um, uh, linguistic gobbledygook. Like you could nearly get any of the top 300 companies and swap their vision statements and they'd be about the same. And so then as a leadership team to how do I interpret what our vision statement is and into my, well, what's my daily existence for? Do people sometimes, do they disconnect from that vision statement or do they even care what it is? Well, because I'm usually working with senior teams, they've had some influence over what that vision is. Um, and, and I do agree with you about the linguistic gobbledygook. I think about it as the language is chunked up so high that it loses, that it loses meaning. And, and, so that, that's usually kept in mind. That's the broad framework for what's the purpose of the leadership team. So mm. the two can coexist. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm interested in the difference between fearless leadership 
and guerrilla leadership and and what guerrilla leadership is and why why have you gone guerrilla leadership talk, talk to me a little bit about that so so fearless leadership is is what i what i do it's what i've stood for in for a long time and part of that comes from um part of that comes from my experiences in the jungle in fact can i tell you a little story please do so i um I worked in a refugee camp for a while and on my very first night there, um, I was in this bamboo house in, in the jungle, literally in the jungle, no running water, no, no power. What country? Uh, on the Thai-Burmese border. So on, in, in Thailand, but on the, on the border with Burma. And so um, I'd been fed. It was my first night and I'd been fed. So I was sitting on, on the floor um, with a little sort of table at my knees and I'd finished rice and pretty basic curry and I just remember sitting there thinking oh my god what have I done you know I'm just a I'm just a girl who grew up in Gippsland I've got no experience of warfare because I was on the edge of a war zone um, I've got I can't speak the language you know I've, I've been to Europe for a couple of weeks and I've visited Southeast Asia once to Singapore but I didn't really have any great travel experience what, what am I doing here and I was just so paralyzed with fear and I don't know how long I, I sat there for it. Could have been seconds. It could have been minutes. It could have been half an hour or more. Just completely paralysed with fear. And then I heard a noise, and I looked up, and this little little girl walked in, and so she probably would have been about four or five, and she was dirty, you know, as you would expect in a in a refugee camp. And um, and she took my hand, and she just looked at me, and in that moment, that human connection, all the fear vanished. And, and so she took my hand and she led me to a house where people were gathered and there was sort of fun and connection. And, and that was the start of me being part of, I know, an integral part of this community. And, and I reckon I learned a lot about fearlessness and fearless leadership from that little girl. Fantastic. And so what transitioned you from fearless leadership to now your, your, your new approach of guerrilla leadership? So, so fearless leadership is what I've done. It's what I do. It's what I'll continue to do. But I've just started working with the idea of guerrilla leadership and, and co-authoring my next book. So I've written a couple of books on leadership. And so the next book, the working title is Guerrilla Leadership, um, Key Insights Your Team Needs from Leading on the Frontline. So my husband was a guerrilla fighter before I met him. So he was fighting for democracy in Burma. So he was a revolutionary. And he has had some pretty amazing experiences. So when you talk about success, now as a guerrilla fighter, if you're leading a platoon of, of, of men, because they mostly were men, if you're leading a platoon of men, success is about getting to the end of the day and no one's died. And so, you know, it's pretty fundamental stuff. That's a very simple measure and it's very easy to count. Like I went out with six and six have come back. Yay. With that, success. And, and that's it. It's that fundamental. Obviously, that's the short term. Over the longer term, there was, there was the purpose, you know, For what sure. they were there for. And that was, are we moving towards that? But it takes a long time to bring about democratic change in a, in a country ruled by a military junta. So if you're looking for the long-term success, that's not going to happen overnight. And so we need to just look at, you know, what are the short-term measures? And so I've been thinking about guerrilla leadership, not 
not superseding fearless leadership, but really as a subset of that. And, and so what are some of the, the important lessons of leadership that we can learn from, from Minthane and from his experiences? And being, I'm really conscious in this that you know, Minthane would be the first to say himself he's not a hero. Um, he, you know, he was representative of so many who were doing what he was doing at the time and, and still are in many places around the world. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're really exploring what does that mean? And things like purpose, you know, how clear is your purpose? And so purpose was one of the main tools that Minthane had um, in terms of leadership because, you know, no cars, no, no salary packaging, no, no salary really. So none of those things. were. And, and so for Minthane, getting all of his people aligned around the beliefs and aligned to the purpose and they all cared about democracy and some of them cared because of the political ideals some of them cared because they'd seen their villages torched or their families killed by the military and so getting all of those people aligned around that belief and moving forward in the same direction I mean that's the challenge for any leader and how Minsane managed that was through purpose so there are some pretty clear lessons for leadership that um, that we can draw from those experiences so that's what I'm excited about right now. Yeah, it sounds like uh, that what the guerrilla leader con- concept has is the the simplistic approach to leadership. In in our current work environments, there is a whole lot of kerfuffle, for want of a better word, where what can we salary package and how much am I getting paid? But does that make a difference? If you've got the right leader, would you care how much? And there's a lot of things that we get caught up with that actually don't really matter when you get to this guerrilla style leadership and you see it at, at its best. It is that very simple. What's our purpose? What's our aims? How can I get people on board and buy into this so that whatever they're getting paid doesn't really matter? Cause it sounds like in, in the case, a lot of them, Money was not a part of it because there was no money. It's all about how do we fight for our values and what's right for us. So what do you think it is that most befuddles leadership today? What What is it that muddies the water so that it stops us from seeing what is our true purpose? What is it that we are trying to do as a fearless or guerrilla leader? I think we get into overwhelm. Now, we're dealing in environments that are so complex and we're working with outdated styles of, of what leadership is all about. And so the, the in a much outdated idea that the leader has all the answers, you know, like the, the CEO is there because they have wisdom and experience and they can respond to whatever opportunities and threats the market presents. You know, that, that's just not the case anymore. Things are Things are fast moving. They're complex. There's multiple competing priorities and I think we, we get into overwhelm by that. And I, I know that that was certainly the case, you know, even for Minthane, we, there's not, in, in many levels, there wasn't the, the types of complexity that we face as leaders, you know, in corporate, corporate Australia. And, and yet the complexity of being in the jungle is high. Mostly you can't see anyone around you. You, cannot, you can't even see the people that you're fighting with, let alone where the enemy is. You know, what's their strategy? Where are they coming from? Where's the food? What's the logistics? What's the weather going to do? So the levels of complexity are there. And it's a matter of just chunking back, chunking back to what are the most significant things that we need to focus on now. 
And what can we delegate so that others can focus on them and the leader can maintain that overarching, um, the overarching focus and coordination role? So I think, I think, I think we, get into, we get ourselves into overwhelm very easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting in, in my experience in the corporate workplace, in the, in the larger workplace, there's often a group of people who are like, just tell me what to do. How, and, and yet others will talk about, well, you've got to take some self-leadership for want of a, a better term. So how do these guerrilla leaders and fearless leaders inspire the frontline soldiers, for want of a better word, to actually take some responsibility, look at the bigger picture? Yeah, I had a conversation like this with a, with a leader just in the last couple of weeks. And he said to me, look, what if we've got people who just can't take responsibility and won't step up? And, and ultimately, I'm, I'm very high on compassion and empathy. And I also get to the point where I say, this is the role. If you can't fulfill this role and part of this role involves thinking, then you know, we can release you back to industry. And there's a whole lot that needs to happen before that. And quite often we have people in states of learned helplessness. So over long periods of time, they've had decision-making capability removed from them. Or when they have made decisions, they've been not embraced or undermined and they've learned not to. Mm. And, and so I say, well, find someone in your organisation who's not making any decisions anywhere now, they might have made quite a significant decision, perhaps one of the biggest financial decisions they would ever make in their life about how to invest in, in a family home or perhaps in a child's education. Perhaps they've made sacrifices to give a child part of um, private schooling or maybe they are on the organising committee for the parents and friends or maybe they have no kids at all and, the, and their passion is... Um, is bonsai gardening and they're on a bonsai gardening club. Like there will be things in these people's worlds that they do care about, that they are making decisions about, that they're stepping up over. They're just not choosing to do it here. So why are they not? And what are you as a leader going to do to help them? Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. So for your business where, you know, because you've obviously been doing this for many years and have written multiple books and been out there, what have been some of the key things that you've had to discover to help you be more successful? Back myself. And that, I think that's a lesson that I've learned multiple times. And I think the first time I really learned that lesson was when I had a very successful corporate career, very young. Um, and I decided I was going to walk away from that and travel overseas. And I got so much well-meaning bad advice about, you know, I was just about to buy a house. I already had the deposit saved. I was probably 25. You know, why would you be doing that? You can, you know, you've got the good career. And I realized that all of that advice was actually from the perspective of the other person to reinforce the decisions that they were making about their own life. It really wasn't about me. So I learned then to make my own decisions and back myself. And I think when you go into business yourself, and then you step up. Like I don't see my business and I don't see, I've mentored quite a few people. I don't see their businesses either as being a smooth line trajectory. I think it's more like steps where you, you make a big step up and then you work at it and you consolidate and then you make another big step up. Each of those big steps up that I've made have required me to learn at a deeper level that lesson about back, backing myself. 
So uh, knowing that that's been one of your, your big lessons, what would be, if someone was saying, I'm about to step into a leadership position or I'm about to start my own business, what are the top three bits of advice you'd give them based on your experience? Back yourself is number one. Back yourself. Um, know that it's not going to be easy. Future pace that. Are you willing to put in the yards? Um, it'll, it'll, it'll work later. It'll take a while in the meantime. Are you willing to put in the effort and to, and to sometimes to give up to make short-term sacrifices to achieve that? Because I think about my life now and, and I take four or five weeks of holiday at Christmas. I take school holidays every year. I take long weekends. I, I invest a lot of time and money in my own professional development. And I have a fabulous life. But it was, it was a lot of hard work to get to that. Um, and I loved every minute of it. So if you're not willing to work hard, you're not willing to make sacrifices in the short term and you don't love it, then don't do it. Yeah. And I think the third thing is surround yourself by good people. Initially, they might be good people who are, who are supporting you um, in a more emotional, you know, encouraging, perhaps mentoring sense. And then before you can afford it each time, put more people in your support network. And, and for me, you know, that started really simply with a cleaner. Um, I'm the primary income, income earner in my house and have always been. And so I remember saying to my husband, right, we're going to get a cleaner when I'd been running my business for a little while. And he said, well, can we afford it? I said, well, <laughs> it depends how you, how you run the numbers, but we can't afford not to because I'm, you know, we're doing the cleaning now at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. That doesn't prepare me well for the next day. So I've made those investment decisions just before I could afford them every time and they've all paid off. So back yourself with the right people. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Corinne. It's been fascinating hearing about fearless and guerrilla leadership. And if people want to find out more and want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me via my, by, um, my website, corinnearmor.com um, or on LinkedIn. Fantastic. And that's Corinne Armour, C-O-R-R-I-N-N-E, Armour, as in what armour that a gorilla would have to protect yourself. So CorinneArmour.com. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic chatting with you. Thank you, Warwick. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I will look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy your success.